Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Shay Sparks, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself and share a project you're currently working on or excited about. Well, first of all, Scott, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a joy and a pleasure uh, since we've connected on uh, other platforms. It's really great to see you face-to-face. Uh, I am a communication and mindset specialist coach, and today I am launching my uh, coaching business, actually, Sparks of Hope. So I am very excited to um, help people take their communication uh, within from mediocre to extraordinary and then recreate that into the relationships as well. Fantastic. And while we were off camera uh, talking a little bit, we were talking about, and I feel this way a little bit about, about my work as a, as a guitar teacher and, and as a band leader and so forth. Um, you've been doing coaching informally for for some time now so this is just this is you're finally going official but you've been a legit coach for some time so tell us a little bit about the backstory there yes so i have been a hairstylist for the last um 24 years (laughs) (laughs) and uh, a very long time and i've had multiple multiple people over a lifetime um ask me why am i not a life coach because they've when they've sat in their chair getting their hair cut, they've constantly told me their uh, problems or their issues that they're having with their loved one or their coworker, even it could be a parent uh, relationship. And, um, and then they ask for my advice. And I give them my two cents is what I say. I'm like, are you sure you want my opinion? And they're like, yes. And uh, it's always about a communication. It's always about a conversation that's need to be had and they have not had that yet. And so that's why I went in the communication route because I think as a society, we um, block ourselves, right? And we don't become vulnerable. And that is where uh, the real connection begins is when you're vulnerable with the other person. Yeah, it seems that in this day and age in particular, you don't have to look far or or watch the news for long to see that we're living in an age where there is some serious communication breakdown. And we're not doing a very good job these days of... um, not only communicating ourselves in a way that's healthy and empathetic and compassionate, but we're also not doing a really great job of listening to other people and seeing and hearing them and understanding where they are and understanding that we all have different stories spinning in our head um, and, and we're not doing a very good job of making an effort to to see and understand each other. So it's interesting that you decided to go this route. So um, can you define or, or talk a little bit about your practice and, and, and what's involved with in this process of trying to help people improve their ability to communicate themselves clearly? So um, what I have found with myself um, is that I had a very negative inner voice. And so that, um, creates that barrier, that, that wall that doesn't allow you to be vulnerable in order to speak to somebody else. And so we have to start within first, and then we can go out and uh, be able to reach out to and connect with other people. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the work that I've done through counseling and books and my own coaching and just really practicing is really what it is and mindfulness. And that's really what it boils down to. It's a practice. And I've been working on it uh, and journaling and I've been working on it for many, many years. And I thought, you know, if I can do this and I have overcome addiction, abuse, I've been bullied and I've been a bully. And if I can overcome that, so can someone else. And so uh, after 20 years of journaling, I realized too that I had kind of created a, a step process on how to um, redesign that inner voice so it's not negative anymore, it's positive. And so I wrote a book on that as well. So What's it, the name of the book? I'm sorry? What's the name of the book? Uh, the name of the book is called How to Get Your Voice Back. I don't know if that comes through clearly at all, but yes. Um, and it is really just to help people, like I said, redesign that inner voice so it's no longer negative and it takes on a, a positive. And the reason you do that, so you can go out and be vulnerable and create uh, extraordinary relationships with other people. So you've touched on a number of things that have come up in past broadcasts uh, with talks with other guests and some things that I've been writing about as well um, that I just want to highlight. The first is this idea that oftentimes that the work that, that really matters to us, the work that, that we are born to do or the work that we're ready to do now often comes about because it's the work that we've been doing for ourselves. It's the itch that we've been scratching for ourselves. And it's in the process of solving our own problem that we are able to then put forth into the world some, some sort of service or product or offering that will benefit other people that have a similar problem and, um, and scratch their itch. I also love that you mentioned, um, you know, that the, the inner critic, that the, the voice at the back, I call it sometimes the we voice. Um, sometimes the we voice is hopeful and aspirational, but oftentimes the we voice is um, very critical and uh, protective, doesn't want us to get hurt. So it's warning us to stay small and stay humble in hiding. Um, and so it's, it's always nice to hear somebody else reference that just so that I'm not the only crazy person that has this voice in the back of my head. Not, not at all. <laughs> that's talking to me. I also love that you, um, and I can't remember if you use a specific word, but you were certainly speaking to this point, this idea of empathy. And the idea of empathy, we think of as being something that we extend out to other people. And I find, I have found that true empathy, the true understanding and seeing and hearing and being able to understand the way somebody else is and feels is impossible until you've taken that lens of empathy and taken a really, really hard look at yourself. Is that your experience? Absolutely. In fact, uh, empathy is such a, um, a soft spot for me to talk on. I feel that in order to really understand the other person, you have to look within first, but then we all connect on the same level. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. They don't know how to put themselves in the other's shoes. However, we've all experienced a loss of some sort. And when you just kind of approach other people, like it's, they've experienced a loss just like I have. They put on their pants one leg at a time, just like I have. It, we could be, start on the same 
playing field rather than, oh, they're up here or I'm down here. And um, I think that changes their mindset, right? So when you, you really get in, tap into your own empathy, empathy for yourself and compassion for yourself, you in return have compassion and empathy for other people. Absolutely. And you um, just touched on this other thing about status and, you know, what, so I'm in the process right now of, of um, working through the end of the marketing seminars, fourth session and being involved in the marketing seminars, fifth session. So we talk um, a lot about status and we talk a lot about uh, a lot about empathy there. And one of the things that's discussed is this idea that on a very foundational level, we are all seeking the same thing. We all have the, the same, the same exact basic needs. Like we need to have sustenance. We need to have water. We need to be able to breathe. We need shelter. Uh, and then um, once we have our very, very most basic needs in Maslow's hierarchy, Mel, everything else becomes kind of a want, but they kind of feel like needs, <laughs> um, especially the ones that are tied to our emotional lives. Um, and so how, how, do you find, uh, how do you find that dance? Because we all, um, we're, we're social creatures, but I mean, we're just hardwired to be social beings. We, we never would have survived as a species had we not um, cultivated that social instinct that we have. It's what created our ability to communicate with each other. And that is what enabled us to um, become, you know, the uh, the dominant species on the planet is is language and and the our creative and uh, thinking capacity, but still, we're kind of those furry little whiny, scurrying, fearful, uh, yelling, screaming, uh, you know, creatures that you know we we developed from, um, and status really matters. And so, how do you how do you find that dance? So. Uh... It's interesting you ask that. I actually um, really tapped into finding my voice and being able to help others find their voice and understand that it's the same voice. The same voice is we desire to be loved and we desire to be heard and understood. And it's that simple. And if you can, uh, like you said, communicate, yeah, we can all communicate, but do we do it effectively? And uh, it just really kind of goes back to, um, you know, just being mindful of that emotion, something that you've written before recently. It's being mindful of the, um, the thing that is happening between the two of you, and you have a choice to either respond or react to it. And I have found most people that they just get into a groove of responding. And next thing you know, it's like uh, it could be two people arguing and it's just a, a, a dig at each other. It's not uh, helping. It's not helping the, the situation. It's just constant anger spit out at each other. And so, yes, they're communicating, but is it effective? Is it getting anywhere? Is it helping? Is it hurting? You know, those are the things that I always kind of have looked at myself and uh, was very mindful of what was I was going on, what I was doing, and how I was reacting instead of responding to that emotion. Um, I call it a temper tantrum, whatever that is. And so, you know, I could be uh, having a temper tantrum, and it's like, okay, but that's not really what it is, but I'm reacting. So that's what I, I call it. And 
I've learned that by being mindful, you can really go, okay, what is it that I'm really feeling? And how can I convey that and get the other person to understand? And just by acknowledging it, like, you know what? This from my past is driving me to act this way. So let me just tell you, this is why I'm, I'm saying that. And it makes a whole difference. So that's how that playing field gets leveled. Right. <laughs> right? That status goes away. Because you're like, oh, yeah, I've dealt with that too. I've had that inner voice. Or I've had that depression or that anxiety or hopelessness uh, feeling. So, yeah, I think all people can kind of relate on that level. That's really – so I love – I mean, mindfulness is another topic that comes up frequently here. And kind of the, the, the enemy – of mindfulness, I think, is um, belief and attachment. You know, our beliefs, the things that we choose to believe frequently are things that have no factual or scientific foundation. They are simply impressions that we have decided to cling to um, because they help us uh, forge an identity. It helps us find people to which we believe uh, we belong, and so we, it, it cultivates that idea of community and belonging and, um, and not being disconnected. But uh, beliefs very often take us out of that state of mindfulness because with belief comes attachment to s- certain, uh, certain, end, cer- certain ends or results that, again, 